Welcome to a special Illumination by Modern Campus series, where we discuss how continuing education acts as an incubator for higher ed executives. We're speaking to presidents of colleges and universities across North America who each got their start in the continuing, professional, and online education space. For the first episode in our series, Evolution Editor-in-Chief and Illumination host Amr Dalawalia is joined by Brad Mahon, President and CEO of Great Plains College. The two discuss how continuing education leaders are shaped by meeting learner needs, and what leaders of other departments can learn from their colleagues in CE. Brad, welcome to the Illumination Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, Emmerich, thanks for having me. This is great. Great to great to be in the space with you. Well, it's nice to be back in touch. You know, it's so this is the the first episode in a uh, I believe it'll be a four week or a five week series that we're going to do with presidents uh, across colleges and universities in Canada and the United States, talking to leaders who've come out of the continuing ed space. We're thinking about this in terms of, you know, continuing education as a leadership incubator. Um, and it's great to be chatting with you because this is the first time you and I have spoken. Uh, you're now the president and CEO of the Great Plains College in uh, based in Saskatchewan, which is in Western Canada. Uh, prior to that, you were the, the Dean of, uh, of Continuing Education at Mount Royal University. So before we get into the, the main event, which is, you know, talking about the, the characteristics and drivers of CE. How did you wind up in continuing ed in the first place? <laughs> you are you are one of the most, and by the way, for folks who are listening, Brad is one of the most talented musicians that I think I've ever met who's not on Spotify on a regular basis. Like, <laughs> as, as I'm talking to you, in fact, I could see the, the neck and head of your guitar uh, just poking out over your back shoulder. So yeah, how'd you wind up in, in the continuing ed space? Uh, you know, on Amrit, I mean, it's, uh, there's times I lie in bed at night and think, how did I get here? You know, <laughs> um, because it certainly was not a, um, a direct line and it wasn't something that I aspired to as a, as a young person or a young professional, um, rather found, I'm, you know, I've been in higher ed for about for 25 years. And, uh, and I only say that because, because I just, I realized it was that 25 year mark. I started in, in September of 97. And, you know, I've had a whole bunch of different roles, you know, a credit-free content instructor. I've, I've worked in that. I've also been a credit, you know, adjunct faculty member. For a lot of years, I was uh, sort of used to refer to myself as a professional sessional instructor. <laughs> and, um, you know, then had some part-time, you know, program coordination roles, and then ultimately some, some full-time senior leadership roles. So I sort of feel like I wound my way through sort of the the beast that is higher higher ed and you know uh, continuing ed kind of came came by accident uh to, you know to me and in, in some ways there was a a uh, a leadership change at, at, in our faculty of continuing education at, at at Mount Royal and um and you know I was I was asked to 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 drive drive the bus and it wasn't something that I had asked for or something that I was aspiring to um most of my background is, you know, to your, you know, very kind comments earlier, most of my background is in music. And um, I, I must say, I was a little uh, taken back at first. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the, of, um, oh, is it Richard, is it Richard Branson, the guy Virgin? from Virgin? Is that his name? Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, I should have known that better. But he, um, <laughs> he has that great quote about if someone offers you a great opportunity, say yes and figure it out later. And so I, mm -hmm. I remember thinking of that quote because it's always been one of my favorites. And so I said yes. And but then remember thinking, 
you know, I, I felt at least in music, I had a bit of subject matter expertise. Um, and so, so I, I will admit, you know, you know, having this sort of imposter syndrome really um, impact me. But, you know, as I, I sort of stepped back and, and tried to, you know, p- pulled myself up about 50,000 feet, you know, reminded myself that, you know, if I had experienced any success, a lot of it had to do with building a team um, and, 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 and relationships, both internal and external. And so, you know, partnerships, those kinds of things. And so kind of reset myself, calmed myself down, if you will. And, um, and, and away we went. And, and I have to say, you know, continuing education, you know, for the, the the four and a half years I was dean, was was just one of the the most wonderful journeys that I've been on in in my in my professional life. Just the the satisfaction, um, um, of of helping the students. Um, you know, something we'll talk about the non traditional learner, and and just the the collegial network uh, that is continuing education. Absolutely, and yeah, let, I mean, let's get right into that because there's. Uh, the non-traditional higher education space, the continuing higher education space really does have a lot of uniqueness to it. And I'm curious about what's, you know, you, you have a 25 year career here in, in the post-secondary space. What's driven your professional interest in, in higher education broadly, but especially in serving that non-traditional audience? Um, you know, I, I think in some ways, um, it's a little bit personal, you know, as I, as again, you, you get to a point in your career where you, you're looking back and you're reflecting. And I remember being that non-traditional learner, you know, somebody that, that, that came out of high school and, and, you know, maybe did things a little bit differently, tried a few different things. And then you, you find yourself, you know, maybe saying, you know, I, I, I I'm going to need to get some training, uh, get some certification uh, f- for me to do the things that I need to do. Um, and then, so, you know, returning to the classroom a little bit older, um, and, and, and also, you know, without maybe the, some of those fundamental study skills, uh, that was my, my situation, but I think, you know, for me, um, it's, it's just, it's been a, an interest of mine to, to, to help those students. I think, you know, sometimes students, um, they, they take a different path and, and sometimes it's, it's intentional and sometimes, um, it's by circumstance mm-hmm. and, you know, providing access to education, providing those pathways, because I'll tell you, Amrit, education for me has been transformational. It, it has transformed my life. I, I can't even imagine what my life would be like if it were not for education. And I mean, I mean, studies at the college level, university level, continuing at, I've, I've done all of those things and, and it's just, um, it's had such an impact. And, you know, when I talk to, to some learners, there's perceived barriers and, and sometimes very real barriers, um, you know, you know, whether it's, it's, it's geographic location, whether it's cost, whether it's concern about outcome, whether it's concern about their, their own abilities to learn. And so, you know, again, the hashtag is access, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and I think student services too, I think taking care of the, of the whole student. You know, so uh, of course we're 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 focused on providing that educational experience that will impact their life, but also having the supports in place that will really help them to succeed too. And um, I, I honestly, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. That's interesting, and I'm I'm curious as you've now stepped into a role that I guess has it has a broader scope than managing a department geared towards non traditional learners, but in many ways. 
you know, the, the non-traditional learner is that new majority on campus, you know, the, the majority, whether they're 18 years old and in their first time full-time post-secondary experience, or whether they're, you know, 35 and pursuing a degree, the average learner on your average post-secondary campus is would qualify in some way as non-traditional, whether they're working part-time, whether they, you know, uh, whether they're partially online, whether they have dependents. Um, so as you think about the, this bringing that mentality to the wider institution, I mean, how important is it, especially at a college, for those elements of the DNA of continuing ed to be part of the way that you interact with and engage with your learners? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, and I think when you talk about the DNA of continuing education, I, I think one of the things I think about is is outcomes. You know, you know, really, what are we what are we producing? Um, and I think, you know, for us, I mean, here at the college and, and me being new, you know, being in my in my in my first term of the role. And, you know, one of the things that I really focused on in, in sort of navigating my own learning curve is asking myself, what is the value proposition that we we are offering to to our students in our region? And um, and, you know, institutions, you know, the value proposition that I have you know, here at Great Plains for students, it might, will be different than, than somebody else in another area. But for us, uh, you know, part of our regional college system, it's, it's, it's helping students bridge that transition, you know, into post-secondary by having them study a little bit closer to home. So they can focus on, you know, um, making those adjustments in the classroom while perhaps having the stability that is, um, or the familiarity, if you will, and the support that happens at home. Like, uh, small class sizes, so those students are able to to really get to know the instructors and have that kind of personalized learning. Um, we've got a good scholarship program because, again, one of the barriers for a lot of students is financial, and that's very real. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, helping to take some of the sting off of you know uh, uh, what is often an investment uh, for students as well too. Um, as I mentioned to you earlier, providing those student services to help them succeed. Um, you know, whether they're struggling academically or whether they're struggling emotionally, having the appropriate folks, uh, you know, to talk with them. And I think one of the big things too is, is, is connecting it. And this is something I think, you know, back to this, you've mentioned it, you know, we, we've talked about it offline and we're talking about here, the CE DNA. And I think it's that connection to industry. I think that's a, that's a big part um, is, is the through line that connects the student to that, that work, the workforce need. And um, I, I, I feel, you know, that's one of the things from, you know, from continuing ed, you know, this kind of matchmaker mentality where you've got these students that are looking to train and you've got industry that's looking for a workforce and it's, it's, it's doing a little bit of matchmaking, you know, connecting those, those two groups so that those students can emerge um, they can get a job and, and um, you know, fulfill their, their role in that, um, that workplace. That's an interesting strategic shift you're proposing here. I mean, how, how can a leader start to take steps to prepare their institution to serve in that capacity? Because it, it does require a different mentality than, you know, what is a, a, a traditional approach to managing a post-secondary organization, which is more around like out, out, or inside out. This is what we're going to teach. This is what you're going to learn. Um, so, you know, I'm curious, how, how do you start taking steps to, to bridging that gap and connecting it back to the theme of the conversation? What is it about coming from the continuing ed space that sets you up for those kinds of conversations? 
I would say there's a few things and, and I think it's sharing them, you know, with, you know, with you, I mean, you made, you made a good comment about the inside out. I think part of it is that internal work, you know, talking to the, to the folks that you're working with, talking to your leadership team about, about, again, I'll say it again, some of that content DNA things, things like, and this is sometimes a, a, an unpopular comment, but I'll say it is that this, this stuff, it's a business. It is a business. And, and in content, we know that we are often seen as business units and you, you bring that, that um, I would say even entrepreneurial and even future focused uh, vision that you, you come like what's next. I, I would say, you know, about half of my job as the Dean of continuing education was scouring the landscape to see what's coming, what trends, what, what areas of workforce development are are in need and and how can we be part of that solution um and so i i think the other thing you know it's it's being lean too i mean i often kind of joke that sometimes you know being in content it felt like being part of a startup right because you know um where we were you know most you know ce units can differ slightly but most content units are self-funded and so every full-time employee is so precious and as you know i mean it's um you know, especially here in Canada, we've had, um, we've had to do a little bit more with less. And I, I, I know that, um, you know, that's, uh, that's something that, that post-secondaries had to respond to governments asking post-secondaries to be more self, you know, more self-sustaining to find more alternative revenue sources and those types of things. But, you know, I think the main thing, you know, for me is, is to get out. I mean, you talked about inside out, I think a big part of it. And again, this comes from continuing ed because most content units that I know are more external facing. It is very usual for us to be that community face of, of many institutions. And, you know, what that means is, is getting out there and, and talking to folks. And, um, you know, one of the, I think the, the biggest pieces of pieces of advice I would have for anybody is um, I mean, yeah, you got to you got to spend some time in the boardroom and take care of your shop, but also spending time out there, you know, out mm-hmm. there, you know, whether it's in the hallways, talking to students in the cafeteria, out there in the community, talking to your stakeholders, asking questions, and then really just listen, you know, really listen because, um, you know, you want to hear you want to hear from folks, you want to hear about their journeys, you want to hear about the barriers that they perceive, and. Um, you know, it's it's a way to 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 do some to do some research and um, and then work to find those solutions. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned uh, over the course of the conversation, you've mentioned a few aspects of the CE DNA. That's a just a big acronym uh, that <laughs> uh, that that really kind of stand out to me. There's you know understanding and and serving the whole student thinking about the learner as a holistic person there's operating with a startup mentality there's being responsive to to the needs of the community what what are other or are there even other aspects of the CE DNA that you think are particularly valuable for leaders that oversee you know entire organizations yeah i think um a couple others that I would either add or or maybe build upon. Um, you know, I mentioned the the community focus piece, and I think one of the things with continuing ed is is um, you know you know at least in in my experiences, we've both prioritized engaging the campus that we serve and engaging the community we serve. So balancing the internal and external, but recognizing that both are necessary. Um, so that's a big part. Sort of seeing the whole community, if you will. I think that's what I would would say. Um, I think, 
it's also recognizing the need um, to engage diverse stakeholder groups. Um, and, and again, I'm, I'm speaking generally, but you know, when we think sometimes of that, what we would, you, you and I mentioned that the non-traditional learner, so what is the traditional learner? Well, I, I think yeah. again, generally speaking, it's that student that, that does come out of high school you know, maybe they're they're eighteen to, to you know to early twenties, and and they 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 move they move from high school through a degree program. I suppose that's what we would define as traditional. And you know, I know going back to my um, my my past life, um, you know, looking at at the faculty that I served there, we had such a diverse student, group of students. We had a conservatory of music which which had children in it. I mean, children were the students, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, up to um, to to adults who were looking to upskill or reskill, you know, to help with their career enhancement or career change, we had seniors even taking taking sort of hobby and bucket list courses. Um, we we did have some what you would call traditional learners, and they're taking certificates and diplomas and upgrading in those things. Um, we ran entrepreneurship programs for women, um, in uh, specifically to help women entrepreneurs, help new Canadians, help First Nations. Um, you know, the, the, the student diversity was was really um, evident. And I think that's, you know, that's a big part of that, that content DNA is, 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 I think, when you look at continuing education off, it really is a reflection of the community that it serves. Mm-hmm. I think another thing I would say, um, two other things, I would say one of them, I have to talk about the, the diverse revenue streams. I think we see that in content. Um, and I know, again, con- some content units are different, but you know, it's it's not unusual to have some uh, base grant funding in your budget uh, to have some other grants that come in from other um, other ministries. Um, I know at Mount Royal we had a transitional vocational program for adults with cognitive development disabilities, and we received different funding for that. Um, we had micro credential funding. Uh, we also had the credit free revenue streams that come in. We had donations. We even had some ancillary revenue. So, you know, it's it's it was very cool to have the experience with all those different types of of uh, revenues and try to navigate some of those those spreadsheets. Um, and I, I would say to technology, you know, when when the pandemic hit us there in um, March of 2020. Um, I know we get tired of the word pivot, We've, but that's what we all did. And I think with con ed units, and generally speaking, and I, and I know this from, from the work that, that we've done with KUS, is, um, you know, con ed units were, were there. We were already in a position where we were, you know, we had significant amount of our curricula online. We had blended programming. Um, d- did we need to, to roll up our sleeves and do a lot of work? Yes, we did. But we were already right there. And so that, 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 um, I would say advanced, you know, approach to technology was was something that that we already had a, a good foot on, and it certainly made that that transition um, through the pandemic um, more successful, you know, for us, and um, just made the you know the transition a little a little more seamless, which I think then you know ultimately mm-hmm. benefited the students too. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because we've established what is a very interesting new normal for higher ed and. You know, I'm curious as we think about sort of, you know, again, for those listening, this is this will be the first episode in, in a series that that we do for a few episodes. There's a number of leaders who've come out of the continuing professional and online education space and, you know, have been appointed into, you know, presidencies and executive leadership roles at, at colleges and universities across 
across the continent over the past few years. And again, it's not just any one type of institution that's looking for CE leaders. We're seeing large state institutions, large private institutions, large community college systems, large community college systems like yours. What is it about CE that builds that skill set for future institutional executives? If it was one thing, Amber, I think it would be, um, and, and just looking at, at how CE has developed me, and I really want to emphasize that, that it, it's really been Cont Ed that has developed uh, you know, me. I, 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 I credit and have gratitude for, for continuing education of that. And I think it's the, it's, the, it's the well-roundedness that comes with that because, you know, you know, speaking frankly, you don't, you know, you open your door each day, you open your inbox and I mean, you just don't know. Everything's, uh, it's, it's a variety of things that, that you're dealing with, um, whether it's, uh, you know, community engagements, students, um, staff, donors, um, curricula, all these uh, ministry, these types of things. And so, you know, when I look at that, that um, sort of full mosaic, that is what we deal with in continuing education, you know, everything I've said as from, you know, from, from technology and, you know, I mean, Amrit, you know, um, you know, with our, our work with, um, with modern campus and, and the destiny product, it's, 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 it's looking at the student again, I'm going to say something that maybe isn't always very popular looking at the student as a client or a customer, but gosh, they have choices. They really mm-hmm. do this. And again, uh, you know, some folks may not agree, but the same way I have a choice to go to Starbucks or Tim Hortons, students have a choice whether to come here to Great Plains or go somewhere else. They do. They have a choice. And the same thing when I was at Mount Royal, they had a choice and they make that choice with where they spend that, that those tuition dollars and or where they put that application in. And, um, you know, I, I think that's it's just that mindset of of uh, of respecting that, of, of being grateful, you know, for that for that um that business relationship that you often have. And so I think if, if that was it for me, it would be again, back to how, you know, I started my ramble here, that, that full mosaic of everything that Cont Ed teaches you and shows you and asks of you. Um, because it is a little bit like standing on, on shifting ground sometimes with continuing mm-hmm. it. It's, it's exhilarating, um, but it, you know, you also need to be ready for that, um, for that journey. Absolutely. Well, Brad, I so appreciate you taking the time out uh, to chat today, and you've uh, you've teed up uh, my final questions as we like to close out our podcasts with uh, a quick recommendation on on where people can go if they find themselves in your neighborhood for dinner. Uh, I know you're relatively new to Swift Current, uh, so but if you have a restaurant recommendation in Swift Current, Saskatchewan, I invite you to share it. Otherwise, you know, of course, you were in Calgary for probably what 10, 10 some years. Uh, so you know, where where should people go to dinner? Well, I'll, I will. I will tell you. Um, um, I do have a new favorite restaurant, and <laughs> I, I mean this. It's the A and A Cafe, and you can find it right here on campus. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> our, our uh, you know, our, and, and and not unusual, but our, our cafeteria was closed in the summer. Um, the the proprietors have another. Um, they have various other things that they do. They're very entrepreneurial. But uh, end of August, they reopened the cafe here. And I'm 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 just a little embarrassed to admit how much I eat there. Um, I just love their food, and it's all uh, you know they 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 have some healthy choices. Uh, they have some other they have other choices too for for those who uh, who uh, you know prefer uh, you know maybe more robust uh, entrees. But I have to say it's a lot of fun. So if you're if you're uh, 
if you're in our neck of the woods, uh, you know, let me know. And I would be very happy to, uh, to treat you to the A&A Cafe here at Great Plains College. <laughs> Brad, thank you so much. It was great catching up with you, my friend. Thank you, Amrit. Anytime. Always a pleasure, my friend. This episode is brought to you by Modern Campus in partnership with The Evolution. Modern Campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue, rising costs, crushing student debt, and even school closures. Powered by the industry's only student-first modern learner engagement platform, Modern Campus supports every corner of the modern institution, from continuing and workforce education, to student affairs, to the registrar's office, to marketing and IT. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of the modern learner, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.